0: Well, welcome everyone. Hey, as Dustin said earlier, we're so glad to have all of you join us online and today we're starting a brand new sermon series entitled, "He Still Got the Whole World in His Hands. And here's why. Because... Our worlds have been turned upside down. In fact, this whole coronavirus, it's gotten all of our tensions and we've seen such a broad spectrum of reactions. In fact, some of us have reacted by downplaying advice or instruction and kind of doing our best to act as if nothing has or nothing will change. Others of us have reacted over here by wearing face masks and refusing to go outside or maybe even refusing to get the mail. And a lot of the rest of us, maybe we're just kind of in the middle and we're not really sure how to react. And all of these reactions, they're understandable, even though they're different, they're understandable and even natural given our circumstances. But as we look around and we see this very broad spectrum of reactions, I think it's causing all of us to ask this question. And this is a question that we want to discuss for the next couple of weeks. What is the best way to react to circumstances that create anxiety, fear, worry, or stress? Now, let me just go ahead and say that the point of this conversation over these next few weeks is not to say that our situation is not that bad, and it's not to say that you don't have any reason to be concerned, and it's not to say that, hey, this is the end of the world, so you can stop paying your taxes, and you can stop helping your neighbor, and you can just wait for Jesus to come back. It's not that. Instead, what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to see what Scripture has to say about dealing with circumstances that create anxiety, fear, worry, worry. Or stress because what we're going to discover is this, uncertainty is nothing new. People have been dealing with uncertainty for thousands of years. People have been dealing with the feeling that things have gotten out of hand in every generation. So if there's anything we want you to walk away from this conversation over these next few weeks, it is this, that even when life is uncertain, God is not. He's still got the whole world in his hands. In fact, one of my favorite stories that teaches this truth, it begins to unfold in 605 B.C. in the nation of Judah. It happens when a king that you might have heard about marched his Babylonian army through Judah. His name is Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's father, he's just died, and he's been named the new king of the Babylonian Empire. So, on his way back to Babylon from having just defeated the Egyptians, he decides on his way back home to Babylon that let's just conquer Jerusalem. So, Jehoiakim, who is the king of Israel, he does what he thinks might save his life or might even give him a position with Nebuchadnezzar. So, he surrenders to Nebuchadnezzar and he pledges to serve him if Nebuchadnezzar will leave him or give him a position of power. And then to prove that he's sincere, he offers Nebuchadnezzar two things. He promises to give him some of the sacred treasures from the uh, temple in Jerusalem. And then he promises to give Nebuchadnezzar some people, specifically some of Judah's brightest and best young people. In fact, here's how the story unfolds in Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Don't miss that. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's power. And some of you single ladies, you're listening to this going, where do we find those kind of men nowadays? But here's what was really supposed to happen on the serious side. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Don't miss that. Now, I want you to put yourself in these young men's shoes. These young men are most likely between the age of 13 to 16, somewhere in that age range. And suddenly their whole world is turned upside down. I mean, think about it. They go from the perks and the privileges of being part of the royal family and the nobility that it talks about in verse 3 and 4 to being betrayed by their king and given as hostages to a foreign king. And then they're taken away from their families and they're transported to this foreign land where you know no one and you have no rights. I want you to imagine the level of anxiety, imagine the level of fear and uncertainty that these young teenage men are experiencing. And then don't miss something else. There's something else that's very significant. And that is what is happening to all the Jewish people in this moment. See, for the Jewish people, this was just an absolutely devastating event. Because they had been told and therefore they believed that they were God's chosen people. They were the chosen people of God and that God would protect them from their enemies. But here in this moment, it's almost like God's not doing that. They, they've now been taken over by Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, everything in this moment about their life and their situation, it suggests that maybe God has abandoned him, them and that his presence is no longer with them. And here's the thing, and here's how that relates to us. In this season, with all this uncertainty of this virus, it's really easy for us maybe to feel the same way. In fact, I think in our own ways over the last few weeks, I think we've all struggled with these same feelings, haven't we? Like we've had uncertainty sweep into our lives unexpectedly, and it's caused us to ask questions. It's caused us to feel anxiety and to wrestle with doubt and to wrestle with fear. And for many of us, this uncertainty of this coronavirus, really what is happening is just being piled on top of other uncertainties that we were already dealing with. Like maybe you are already struggling with the uncertainty uncertainty of a relationship that has become very shaky in your life, or maybe you're already struggling with the uncertainty because things at work were already uneasy and you already felt like your job might be in jeopardy. For some of you, you you're already struggling with with family issues and uncertainty there because you had a son or daughter who's like headed down a wrong path and, and you don't really know what to do. Or maybe your uncertainty was triggered by the news that your parents were getting a divorce and the family that you thought would be your forever family, it doesn't look the same anymore. See, uncertainty, what it does is it catches us all in life and then uncertainty tends to pile itself on top of each other and it often leaves us questioning if God is really working on our behalf. I mean, after all, shouldn't God's presence in our life bring certainty? Now, The reason we ask those kind of questions is because there's something that we confuse about God. See, we tend to confuse life circumstances with God's character. In other words, we think these two things are directly related. Because see, in our minds, when life is good, then God loves me. But when life is not good, then God doesn't love me. Or when life is smooth, then God is with me. Or when life is difficult, then God has left me. And if you make the mistake of believing that one of these reflect the other, then you'll resist believing that when life is uncertain, that God is with you. Don't don't miss this. What happens to you in life is not a reflection of how God feels about you. See, life's circumstances are not an indicator of God's love for you or his presence with you. Which means this, even when life is uncertain, God is not. Now, these young men, some of the best and the brightest of Judah, These Jewish young men who are traveling from Jerusalem to Babylon, they're wrestling wrestling with this very question. This question of, does the uncertainty of my circumstances mean that I can no longer trust God? Does it mean that God is not with me? And the moment they arrive arrive in Babylon, their trust is tested. In fact, here's what they face. Notice this. The king assigned to them, a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were trained for three years and after that they were to enter this king's Service Now, don't miss this part about wine and food because this diet and this training plan, it is a much bigger deal than maybe when you just kind of first read over. See, Nebuchadnezzar has a very specific goal for these young men. Basically what he's trying to do, he's trying to force them to relinquish their allegiance to their God and pledge their allegiance to him and his kingdom. So here's what he does. They were given new identities. He changed their names from Jewish names that honored God to Babylonian names that honored pagan Babylonian idols. He changes their diet from food that is permissible for Jewish people to eat to food that Babylonians ate as an act of worship to their pagan God. In fact, basically his whole goal over these three years was to immerse them in this new way of thinking so that they would let go of their faith and their culture that they had Came from and serve him loyally with their life. Now, I want you to imagine this experience that they're going through. Imagine you are 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, and you've been taken from your home, as we said earlier. You're being forced to relinquish all of your belief about Jesus and follow a different religion, live a different way, and pledge allegiance to a different king. What are you going to do? See, that's what's happening to these young men. And in the face of this abrupt interruption in their life, these young men are faced with a question in this moment that would define the rest of their lives. And that is this Can I trust God even when I don't see Him working? Like, can I trust God's heart even when I don't see his hand? Can I trust God even when my life has been suddenly turned upside down and everything around me is uncertain and there is no proof that he is with me? Think about it. They have lost everything. They, they are captive in a foreign land. So to refuse Nebuchadnezzar's training plan, his diet plan, would certainly probably lead to death so why not abandon God like what has God done for them lately anyway but here's the here's the incredible part of this story there was one young man who along with his three friends chose to believe that even when life is uncertain God is not and I want to tell you something That belief led him to make a surprising and extraordinary decision in the midst of relentless, as we're going to see over these next few weeks, relentless uncertainty. In fact, I remember being a a young person myself, a teenager myself, and having a Sunday school teacher challenge me to to live life based upon the pattern and the path of Daniel. And I'm telling you folks, it is life changing. So notice what happens in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official... For permission not to defile himself this way. Now, I'm just going to tell you, this is a huge decision. Because in making this decision right here, Daniel decides that he would rather lose his life than lose his trust and his relationship with his Heavenly Father, that he would rather lose his future than lose his faith. So he resolved, no matter what the personal cost, not to abandon God, even though his circumstance seemed to prove. Prove that God had abandoned him. Now, let me just ask you a question. How does a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old young man get to this kind of courage and this kind of confidence? The kind of courage and the confidence that says, I resolve not to defile myself. The courage and the confidence to politely and respectfully stand up and ask for permission from the most powerful ruler in the world and the confidence and the courage to believe that God was with him when everything though around him showed no evidence of God's presence. I'm telling you folks, but when you really look into this story, The the kind of obedience and the kind of courage and the kind of confidence that Daniel displays here is way beyond what many of us have ever practiced. I mean, this, this obedience in the face of overwhelming uncertainty and severe consequences is just absolutely amazing. But he chooses to respond to his uncertainty with faith and not fear. So here's the question. What's the secret to this kind of big faith? Like at 16 years of age, what would build this kind of courage in a faith in a young man? In fact, you might want to write this down. Here's the secret. Great faith is built over time, not in a moment. See, Daniel, he didn't generate this kind of faith on the way to Babylon or why he was sitting in the palace facing this challenge. No, no, this faith was built in the past and it was revealed in the present. This was a confidence in God that he had developed over time. And I'm sure that his parents had invested and invested and invested in his life and and helped him develop this kind of faith so that when this test came, he was ready. When the test came, Daniel already believed that even when life is uncertain, God is not. He still has the whole world in his hands. Now, the uncertainty that this coronavirus has caused I just want to tell you something, folks. It will not be the last time you face uncertainty, which is why it is so vital for you to use the situation that we're experiencing, all of us are experiencing together to build big faith. Because see, here's what we know from life experience. If you've lived long enough, you're going to need big faith again tomorrow. See, there's always more uncertainty in your future, even once we're through this pandemic. I mean, that's just how life works. And here's the thing. If your faith isn't prepared, what's going to happen is you'll question and you'll doubt God and and you'll get filled with anxiety and you'll get filled with fear. Not because God isn't certain, but because your faith isn't strong enough. Here's the incredible thing about Daniel's story. Daniel trusted and acted as if he was fully confident that God was with him, even though there was no proof or evidence of it. And you know what? Daniel was right. Even though God didn't be, appear to be at present or at work, he was. Notice what verse 9 says. Now God has the, caused the official to show favor and compassion To Daniel. I don't want you to miss that. God was at work in and through an official who didn't even believe in God. And and don't miss this. God can work through anywhere, anyone, anywhere to do what he needs to do for you. Lean into that. Notice verse 10. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord. The king who has assigned you food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Like as much as this official has come to like Daniel, he, he's living in fear. I mean, he, his, his boss is Nebuchadnezzar. Like he is so afraid of the king. And again, what Daniel does is he acts in faith. And so instead of giving up, Daniel appeals, he, he proposes a 10-day test to this official. And he says to this official, he says, let's do this 10-day test and then you can compare and judge if it's worth the risk. And the official, he agrees to do this. Now, again, you got to understand, this requires faith on Daniel's part because he has no guarantee that he'll pass the test. He simply has to trust that even even though life is uncertain, God is not and God will come through. And the good news is sure enough, God does. At the end of 10 days, David, uh, Daniel, excuse me, not David, but Daniel and his friends are healthier and they're progressing faster than all the other men in the program. And the official, he says, hey, I'm gonna grant you your request. In fact, for three years, Three years go by and Daniel just keeps trusting that God will give him what he needs in the face of uncertainty. And when the program is over, here's what happens. Notice this. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hanani, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered into the king's service. Don't miss this next part. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians, the enchanters in his whole kingdom." And you know what happens in this moment? In this moment, Daniel and his three friends knew in a way that they've never known before, that when life is uncertain, God is not. He's still got the whole world in his hands and he will provide whatever you need in the middle of uncertainty if you trust him. Now, the writer gives us one final piece of information to wrap up this story. And I don't want you to miss it because here's what it does. It it reminds us that there's always more to what's going on in our life than what we see at a surface level. Notice this next verse. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Now. If you're not familiar with this period of time in history, this means that Daniel continued to serve in an executive level of government through four different kings and three different kingdoms. Kings came and went, kingdoms came and passed, but Daniel was there through it all. See, Daniel's faithful response to uncertainty, it placed him in a position of influence for years and years to come. And I'm telling you, folks, this is a great reminder for all of us when we face uncertainty. And that is this, that God does his best work in the biggest disruptions and the worst times of uncertainty. Don't miss this. God does his best work in the biggest disruptions and the worst times of uncertainty. See, what looked like maybe a setback to you may actually be God setting you up for an extraordinary future. So, again, it comes back to this question for all of us Can I trust God's heart when I don't see God's hand? Like, will I keep believing and maintain faith in the, even in the middle of uncertainty, or am I gonna let fear drive my decisions and abandon the one who brought me to this point in my life? So so what will you do with this? Well, Daniel teaches us there are two decisions that we can make today that will enable us to trust God, that God is certain even when life isn't. Here's what we need to do. We need to believe and we need to build. First, you need to believe. You're going to face more circumstances and situations in the future. You're going to have daily circumstances and situations that are going to require you to trust in your Heavenly Father. I mean, think about this. It's going to require trust to do the next right thing, parenting your children, when the right thing doesn't seem to be working very well. It requires trust to do the best for your boss when— You're really, you don't have the best boss to work for. It's going to require trust when you're not sure if you're going to get into school or what's going to happen with your schooling um, because of this virus. It's going to require trust to manage your money today, God's way in the middle of this crisis. It's going to require trust to be generous when this uncertainty makes you want to hold on selfishly. See, it's going to require trust simply to obey and leave the outcome of all of this in his hands. But then the second thing is you need to be intentional, not only to believe, but the second thing you need to do is you need to be intentional about building big faith. Because here's why. You need to build big faith today because that's what's going to get you through tomorrow. Now, I want to tell you something. That's not complicated. To build big faith, it means simply to spend time with God because you cannot and and will not trust someone deeply who you do not know. See, you need to get to know God better in this season. And that requires daily spending some time in scripture reading and praying. And I'm telling you, scripture reading and prayer, that is a habit that delivers compound benefits over time. And just like any other relationship, the more time you spend with God, the more you'll come to trust him. So don't miss this. The best thing you can do today is to believe. Exercise your faith in choosing to trust God no matter what. And then build your faith through habits that help you grow, reading scripture and prayer. See, that's how even when life is uncertain, you can be confident that God isn't. He's still got the whole world in his hands. Now, here's what I know. Uncertainty is going to be part of your life tomorrow. You're going to face it next year and the next and the next and the next. And I wish that weren't true, but it really is. Your faith is going to be tested. It's not just a one-time kind of thing. So what we're challenging you to do as we begin this series is we challenge you to commit to building your faith today for the uncertainty that continues to lie ahead tomorrow. Now, here's the thing. This story that we heard of or we talked about today was not the last uncertainty in Daniel's life. It actually was the beginning. So over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to walk through his life and we're going to learn more lessons on how to face uncertainty. And I'm telling you, it's important to learn these lessons so, so you don't miss what God wants to do in and through you. But for now... Remember, your best response to circumstances that create anxiety, fear, worry, or stress, it begins with trusting God, believing that God is good and he is in control, and then building a relationship of trust with him so that you can know when life is uncertain, God is not. He's still got the whole world in his hands. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this incredible story of a young man, a teenage man who modeled what we do when we are faced with circumstances that create create fear and anxiety and worry. God, I thank you for the lessons. I I pray that you help us all to begin today to, to believe, to choose to trust you no matter what to never compare our life circumstances with your character. And then secondly, help us to begin to build. Help us to build a great faith, a big faith, a faith that's based on a relationship with you. God, I thank you that we can build a faith today that will carry us through tomorrow. God, we, we have no clue what the uncertainties will be tomorrow, but we know that you will be with us and we know that we can have a faith big enough to handle anything. We begin that process today through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. Um, know that we're praying for you. We're available. Any way that we can help you, just let us know. You can email us, chat us, uh, let us know. And then also, hey, don't forget, Wednesday night we're streaming on live, uh, live again at 6 o'clock. We'll see you then.